Hello, teacher friends, and welcome to episode number 34 of the Beyond Measure podcast. (laughs) Christina Whitlock here, your self-proclaimed anytime piano teacher friend. (laughs) Whoever you are, whatever you do, you're welcome right here. (laughs) I really try to keep episodes under 20 minutes here, but I'm just warning you that today is an exception. (laughs) I just have too much to say today. I'm sorry. I hope that you will just consider it bonus piano teacher friend time. (laughs) Today, I thought we would chat a little bit about my own personal rules for engaging with other teachers online. So truth be told, I definitely wrote this episode specifically with our beloved Facebook teacher forums in mind. (laughs) Um, I have a feeling most of you are familiar with what goes on in the Facebook teacher forums, but even if you don't participate in those groups, these same principles definitely apply to reading like the comments section of an article or your favorite blog post or engaging on like Instagram or Clubhouse or Twitter or whatever, um, or even when you're just talking with other teachers live and in person. Most of these things will apply to every single one of those scenarios. So here's the deal. If you have listened to basically any other episode of this podcast, though especially episode number one and number 30, you already know how strongly I feel about the benefits of being an active part of the music teacher community. Cliche as it may be, we are so much better when we are together, my friends. (laughs) This, of course, has always been true, though it bears repeating again that the way educators banded together online during our recent pandemic to share ideas and to share resources was such a lifeline to me, and it made me just ever more grateful than ever before to be part of this profession. Truth be told, online teacher forums are one of the main reasons that I continue to put up with social media at all. There are most definitely days that I would rather scroll through questions and experiences of my music teacher friends than my own personal feed, which is a total landmine of feelings and opinions, and I don't even mind reading all of those things, but sometimes it's just a lot, you know? So, yeah, anyway, I absolutely love the Facebook teacher groups for camaraderie and the ideas they give me and the exposure to new people and products and resources. I mean, I am here for all of that. (laughs) Same for Instagram posts and stories and for comments sections. You know, I'm always clicking on that whole like read comments button at the end of articles that I enjoy. But 
As is the case basically anywhere people can post words on the internet, (laughs) we also encounter some crazy things in these scenarios. And sometimes, given the right combination of circumstances, they can suck the life right out of us. (laughs) So, today I am here to help. I hope. (laughs) I am going to give you a rundown of my top 10 like personal rules for online engagement. (laughs) These are observations and boundaries that I have put in place basically anywhere I spend any amount of time on the internet just to make sure that my online time is feeding me rather than draining me. So are you ready? Let's dive in. Number one, I'm going to kick us off with a big one here, my friends. (laughs) Number one, we internalize what we read way more than we realize. So like I said, I see this as a big one and I watch it play out all the time. We internalize more than we realize. So let me give you an example. Let's say you read a thread online about a parent who keeps forgetting to bring their child for a lesson. You read multiple teachers' experiences in response to that thread, all of varying degrees of this same type of forgetfulness. (laughs) Then, a few weeks later, you read another similar collection of experiences. I mean, ugh, parents today, right? (laughs) They have no commitment to their lessons, do they? (laughs) But then, one fateful Friday afternoon, you have a student whose parent loses track of time and they forget their lesson. Instead of a measured response like, Ah, rats, that happens. (laughs) You are now carrying these frustrations of like 20 plus other teachers whose irritations you have already been reading online in response to the same kind of scenario. So instead of this being one single isolated incident in your studio, you don't realize that you actually end up reacting to this as though it happens to you all the time. And I could go on and on with these scenarios, but I'll just say this, that if we're not careful, this very thing can have some pretty negative effects on how we approach our own studios. So we have to be really careful that we don't let the content we read of others' experiences start to influence our own levels of frustration. Number two, because we've got to move quickly through these today, you never know the whole story. I'll say it again, you never know the whole story. So when someone describes a problematic student or a seemingly disrespectful parent or concerning environmental factors or whatever it may be, you have to remember that you don't know the full story. (laughs) The number of online diagnosticians I see on any given day leaves me both laughing and cringing, sometimes at the same time. (laughs) Our reactions to the stories we read online often have far more to do with the way the original poster writes about their scenario 
than the actual situation itself. I mean, we can't help it. It's the only information we get. And even though we're trying to be super helpful, sometimes the narrative is going to trigger us in ways that we don't actually know apply to that situation. (laughs) We will never be able to diagnose someone else's student with ADHD through a Facebook post. (laughs) We are getting a microcosm of a glimpse of someone else's microcosm of a glimpse of that student's actual entire life. You know, of course, it can be helpful to suggest resources, conversation on ramps with parents, and all of those things. That's great. But comments like, that kid needs medication pronto, are just not really helpful in any way. Speaking of not helpful... Let's look at number three, shall we? (laughs) Let me share with you my zero energy list. If you happen to watch the webinar that I gave for MTNA back in April, this list may sound familiar to you. But there are three things I refuse to spend mental energy on. (laughs) This goes for dealings in my own life, as well as anything I read online. So as tempting as it may be, there are three things I have learned never to waste energy on because frankly, there is absolutely no point in doing so. (laughs) No good comes from perseverating over any of these things. Are you ready? (laughs) I refuse to spend mental energy on number one, assessing the quality of anyone's parenting Number two, how anyone spends their money. Or number three, how anyone spends their time. So three things, quality of parenting, money, and time. Again, as a teacher, I only get a small glimpse into how these aspects of a family are functioning anyway. And when I read posts online where people are fuming about any one of these three things, I just want to tell them to let it go. (laughs) Seriously. True story. (laughs) I'll give you an example. In my last house, we had a room outside of my studio that functioned exclusively as a waiting room. So I had a couch in there, and the couch had like three or four throw pillows on it. So was I completely dumbfounded by the number of parents who would let their children throw those pillows all over the room and then leave them all over the place when they left? Yes, (laughs) of course. I mean, seriously, I can't imagine being in someone else's home and not just picking up the throw pillows before I left. But it happened all the time, all the time, with some really great families. (laughs) Now, would stewing about this behavior change anything about the situation? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Could I have written something in my studio policy about leaving the waiting area in the same condition as you found it? Probably. Would it have worked? Uh, I don't know. Not likely. And it would have sounded pretty fussy, I think. You know, you might have something like that. I'm not judging. This is just me. (laughs) So what did I do? Well, 
I didn't do any of those things. I got rid of the throw pillows. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> no parental judgments necessary. And likewise, we encounter posts online all the time dealing with, well, so-and-so is a month behind on their tuition payment. I've seen where they live and what they drive, and the least they could do is pay their music teacher. <laughs> Seriously. In all aspects of life, my friends, don't give any energy to how people spend their money. <laughs> There's always more to the picture than you know, and it just doesn't do us any good. Same with how people spend their time. I'd give examples, but it's going to veer us way off topic. So I'm sure you can come up with scenarios from your own life. But suffice to say, that is my, maybe your new, zero energy list. No assessing parenting, no judging how people spend money or time. Don't fall into those traps. They are a total waste of time. And do you remember my first point about how we internalize the frustrations of others that we read online? That has a tendency to multiply here in a really big way. Number four, you are never seeing a balanced representation of the teacher population in any single post. We all have certain topics that we're likely to engage in more than others. So here's an example. When you ask a question, let's say, I don't know, how many students do you teach? When you ask that question, you are going to get slammed with responses from teachers with large studios. <laughs> teachers with 10 students or less are very unlikely to respond to that question. On the other hand, teachers with 50 or more students will jump at the chance to answer that question. <laughs> Side note, the quality of your teaching is not determined by the number of students on your roster. <laughs> if that surprises you, go listen to episode number three of this podcast. <laughs> Whether you are reading conversations about studio policies or method series preferences, ethical dilemmas, whatever it may be, there is no post on the internet that is actually going to elicit a balanced sampling of ideas. That doesn't mean you're not going to get good ideas from the discussion, but it just means that you shouldn't take anything you collect as, like, the only way. Number five, short and sweet, <laughs> there are certain topics that are always going to be controversial, and they are always going to summon really strong opinions. Things that come to mind are questions of digital instruments versus acoustic instruments, <laughs> or how about the importance of a music degree, <laughs> or how about the Suzuki method? <laughs> the list goes on and on, but there are always going to be things that bring out strong voices on both sides. Number six, speaking of, <laughs> sometimes people really are just baiting us for responses. Internet trolls are real, 
And as much as our fabulous moderators of Facebook groups, etc., as much as they try to like siphon out those with too much time on their hands, <laughs> they do occasionally squeak through. I would also just like to say that I do not find that to be the case for the majority of teachers. Hey, that segues really nicely to our next point. So here is number seven, <laughs> that as we all know, independent music teachers come in many different forms and with many different levels of experience. So frankly, I have made peace with this long ago, and I have decided that there is room for all of us. Sure, sometimes I'm frustrated when I see teachers who I believe are missing the point or who are not as qualified as they should be, but it's another one of those things I just don't want to spend energy on anymore. I'm not going to change anything. So, therefore, I don't spend any effort calling them out online for what I think they should or should not know. It's just not my job, and it's not going to change anything. Again, <laughs> if I can help them out with an answer, I'll offer it, though usually someone else has already mentioned an obvious answer. Which, ooh, segues really nicely to point number eight. <laughs> Seriously, check out the masterful transitions here, my friends. <laughs> I try to only respond to posts if I have something to say that is genuinely going to help the situation. <laughs> now, sure, I have definitely faltered here a time or two, or 20, <laughs> but if I see that people have already stated my position in the comments, I don't spend any time writing a response. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be trying to help people in online forums all day. There is no reason for 42 people to respond with the same answer to a question of, hey, can anyone identify the composer of this piece? <laughs> Only choosing to contribute to questions where I feel I have a unique or particularly helpful perspective helps me control the amount of time I spend in online forums. And if you spend any amount of time scrolling these groups, you know the time factor is a serious dilemma. Number nine, let's talk about promotions. <laughs> I know that this is a really dicey subject. 100%, without a doubt, one of the best aspects of online teaching groups is learning about products, and compositions that my teacher friends enjoy. I know many of us have like entrepreneurial and creative spirits that often spill over into creating products for one another. I am totally here for it and I do not mind reading about my colleagues efforts in my Facebook scroll. So in my own life, on the other hand, I absolutely hate doing self-promotional work for me, as in, like, I despise it. <laughs> Mostly because I'm always afraid of being, you know, that girl who overly self-promotes. So, personally, I always like to support the creators who spend more time in our forums weighing in on discussion topics than they do promoting their own projects. 
it's such a fine line because, of course, content creation is hard work and getting it into the public eye, especially when there's already so much out there, is really tricky business. But I've got to say that when I see promotional posts from individuals who never, ever contribute to discussions in a forum only, um, except only to recommend their own products, well, my eyes definitely roll a little bit. (laughs) Friends, don't be that girl or that guy. (laughs) For the rest of us, when we encounter those posts that irritate us, of course, The best advice I can offer is, channeling my inner Dory, just keep scrolling, just keep scrolling. (laughs) Which finally brings us to point number 10. (laughs) We are more than we post online. (laughs) This ties in greatly with my second point, but I just wanted to share that I read an excellent article like eons ago. I really wish I had bookmarked it. But it was discussing that one of the most problematic social phenomena of our online worlds is the fact that when we see people show up in our social media scrolls, it gives us a false sense of knowing what's going on with them. So, I mean, that's not really shocking to anyone I know, but let's all be honest, (laughs) there are definitely some people in our lives that we don't actively reach out to as much anymore. And some of that is because we mistakenly believe that we know what's happening in their lives because we see their pictures on social media. But the important truth of the online world is this. (laughs) You only see what people choose to put on the internet. (laughs) And while there are those people who post about every stubbed toe and food craving they've ever had, (laughs) the majority of us like to keep our information a little closer to the vest. (laughs) I know I am definitely guilty. (laughs) If you scroll my personal posts, you'll just see a lady with cute kids and a successful piano studio, and you won't see struggles my family has had through this pandemic or the nagging anxiety that rides shotgun with me most days. Uh, I just don't post it online. It's not some calculated image of perfection by any means. It's just a matter of what I choose to give attention to and what I don't. And that's what we all do online to varying standards. So bottom line, Don't let your online life convince you that you have any idea how well or unwell a loved one is doing. If someone has surgery, follow up with them personally. Don't wait for a Facebook post about it. If you see a teacher friend posting in an online forum, don't assume that you know how their studio is doing or how they are handling life these days. Okay, so I know that was quick, but those were my 10 rules for online engagement. I hope you heard something helpful in there today. The online communities available to us today offer such a fantastic sense of togetherness. A few weeks ago, for instance, a question was asked in one of our larger piano teaching groups, and it was, 
What have you learned most about yourself since you started teaching? Now, I would never betray the privacy of those group discussions, but I will just tell you that reading the comments section of that post gave me like all the warm, fuzzy feelings. It was so great to see so many teachers reflecting on how they've grown as a result of this profession. And I know that many of you don't engage in these groups, and that's totally fine, but I just feel like pointing out that for all of their potential problems, there are also some really terrific aspects to them as well. And now, a toast! Music teacher friends of the world, today we are pondering our online lives to whatever extent they exist, and we are giving ourselves permission to set boundaries and push the reset button on our approach to the opportunities provided to us by the internet. (laughs) May we avoid spending our energy on anything that doesn't deserve it. (laughs) May we be good community members to those we encounter online. And may we remember that we never know the full story of someone's life, online or otherwise. Cheers to you, my music teacher friends. You are the best. Hey, thanks for listening to episode number 34 of the Beyond Measure podcast. I really am grateful for your friendship here over the airwaves. So as always, please come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there at Beyond Measure Podcast or pop me over an email at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. You can always share the podcast with other friends, maybe in some of those online communities, because that is like the kindest thing you can do today. (laughs) Just like leaving a written review on Apple Podcasts is sure to make my day. (laughs) So, and now, with all of that said, until we hang out again... Let's all commit to working hard, resting well, and being nice. (laughs) I'll talk with you soon, my friends.